Welcome back to the Refugee Report. Let's talk about the humanitarian crisis in Central America. The region has faced coups, gang violence, authoritarian governments, and international intervention throughout the years. These events have produced numerous present-day conflicts that are pushing hundreds of thousands of Central Americans to seek asylum elsewhere. However, what makes this crisis different is that it directly affects the United States. In fact, the humanitarian crisis can be found at the U.S. border. Before we begin, we would like to warn you that the information and audio presented may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Central America is a series of countries that sit between Mexico and South America. These countries include Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Belize. Well before the existence of these countries, indigenous people had lived here for thousands of years. In fact, some of Central America was inhabited by the Mayan civilization. This changed in the 16th century when the Spanish Empire began to colonize the region. The local population was suppressed and in some cases enslaved. The Spanish then used the region to search for precious metals and to farm. The situation did not change until the 19th century when the Central American colonies began to split away and form independent republics. Despite their independence, these countries continued to face foreign interference. This culminated during the Cold War when the Truman Doctrine was developed and called for greater U.S. intervention in preventing the spread of communism. This led to U.S. involvement in a series of tumultuous conflicts throughout Central America. Now, typically for each episode, we do an in-depth analysis into a specific country's history in order to better understand a conflict. This episode is a little different because we are looking at how a humanitarian crisis has been produced in a collective of countries. So here's a quick crash course in the history of four countries that are at the center of this humanitarian crisis, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, and Nicaragua. Let's start with Guatemala. Following World War II, Guatemala had a functioning democracy that was relatively stable. However, Jacobo Arbenz was elected to the presidency in 1950. He began to enact policies that addressed poverty and inequality in Guatemala. One such policy called for land redistribution. This policy posed a serious threat to U.S. fruit companies, many of whom owned vast swaths of farmland in Guatemala. Therefore, the U.S. government declared Arbenz a threat to democracy and the CIA assisted in staging a coup. A U.S.-backed military regime was then set up and a civil war broke out in this country that lasted from 1960 to 1996. During this war, the government deployed death squads and tortured its citizens, all while being supported by the CIA. This conflict resulted in 200,000 people being killed and 500,000 people being displaced. Although the war ended in 1996, Guatemala remained unstable. It faced crippling poverty and continued government corruption, making it a breeding ground for violence. Neighboring El Salvador saw a brutal civil war between the right-wing government and Marxist guerrilla troops throughout the 80s. Just as in Guatemala, the U.S. backed the government and provided military training and billions of dollars in aid. However, the Salvadoran military went on to slaughter, torture, and kill much of the population. As a result, 75,000 people died and over a quarter of the population was displaced. The war did end in 1992, but conflict persisted in El Salvador. In the 90s, the U.S. enforced a new policy that deported Salvadoran immigrants who had a criminal record. The Salvadoran government was ill-equipped to face the arrival of these criminals, 
and the gangs quickly gained power within El Salvador. As a result, the country was plagued with extreme violence and government corruption. Now, El Salvador has the highest murder rate in the world. El Salvador's eastern neighbor, Honduras, faces similar problems. The deportation of MS-13 and 18th Street gang members from the U.S. to Honduras overwhelmed the country. The gangs quickly took hold of power, leaving much of the country incredibly dangerous. In addition, there has been great political turmoil in the country. Throughout the 20th century, there were numerous coups that overthrew the government. As recently as 2009, a coup overthrew the democratically elected president of Honduras. Along with this, there is still government corruption and violence towards peaceful protesters in the country. The U.S. has played an active role in Honduras, including advocating for the deregulation of coffee production in the country. Along with this, U.S. troops were sent to Honduras during the 80s. Their mission was to train and assist troops to fight the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. The Sandinistas were a left-wing group that overthrew the right-wing U.S.-backed Nicaraguan government. The United States, fearing the spread of communism, supported the Contras, an opposition militant group that fought in rural Nicaragua and on the Honduran border. The Contras committed numerous human rights crimes, including kidnapping, raping, and killing the local population. Despite this, the CIA continued to assist the group and even used the cocaine trade as a way to fund the Contras. The Sandinistas also committed their share of human rights crimes in their region by forcibly removing indigenous groups from their land. Eventually, peace was reached in the country and opposition leaders were even elected president. However, in 2006, President Ortega was re-elected to office. He is part of the Sandinista party and was formerly the president of Nicaragua during the war in the 80s. Since being elected, he has consolidated power and removed many opposition politicians from government. Due to his seizure of power, protests have broken out in Nicaragua against the government. In response, the national police have kidnapped, tortured, and killed hundreds of protesters. Although each of these countries have faced numerous conflicts, there is one unifying pervasive problem, drug trafficking. Throughout the 90s, Colombian drug cartels needed a route to deliver cocaine to the world's largest consumer of cocaine, the United States. Central America soon became the ideal route for this. This inflow of drugs into the region further destabilized these countries and led to even greater violence. This is increasingly the case in the Northern Triangle countries, which are Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. Today, criminal activity and violence persists through much of Central America. This is especially a problem for young men who are being forced into local gains. Listen to the story of Juan Alonso, a young man from Honduras. I had problems with the Maras gangs in Honduras. They wanted me to join them, and I don't like those things, so they came looking for me to kill me. Juan's story is not a unique one. In fact, thousands of young men from Central America are facing constant intimidation and forced recruitment from gangs. However, the reign of terror caused by these criminal organizations is not just limited to young men. Listen to the story of Angelica Alvarado, a Honduran mother who owned a tortilla shop. Angelica says gang members raped her twice and extorted her small tortilla business until she couldn't pay. Then they said they'd take her five-year-old daughter Ashley instead. They sell the children to people for sexual abuse. That was when I decided to leave my country because I didn't want my daughter to suffer what I'd gone through. These gangs will extort local businesses, kill and rape those who do not pay them, 
and funnel children into human trafficking. Situations like these have forced hundreds of thousands to flee their home. In fact, nearly 500,000 Central American asylum seekers have done so. Those that wish to seek asylum in other countries go north and typically travel in caravans. These caravans can be as small as 100 people or may include thousands of people. Among them are both migrants fleeing poverty and refugees fleeing game violence and government repression. Those in the caravans often struggle to gain access to food, find safe places to sleep, and are exposed to numerous diseases. However, more Central American migrants and refugees still choose to move in caravans because it is much more safe than traveling by yourself. Listen to Dr. Wendy Vogt, an expert on this humanitarian crisis, explain why it is necessary for Central Americans to travel in caravans. Over the past decade, an estimated 70,000 Central Americans have gone missing in Mexico during their journeys. And I walked alongside mothers, parents, brothers who were retracing the steps of their children and speaking out against the violence that Central Americans experience in Mexico. Traveling alone through Mexico from Central America is extremely risky and has resulted in the deaths of thousands. Therefore, their safety is a little bit more assured when moving in groups. This also shows why many Central Americans don't want to stay in Mexico. Many Central American gangs also operate out of the southern part of the country. This means that those who are targets of gangs continue to be hunted in Mexico. This has made some Central American refugees travel to the U.S. border. To be clear, it is legal for those seeking asylum to present themselves at a U.S. port of entry and request asylum. However, when these caravans arrive, Border Patrol agents are often overwhelmed with filing asylum claims. So many volunteer lawyers have gone to the U.S.-Mexico border to assist with the situation. Despite this, the United States still has struggled to properly handle this humanitarian crisis. In fact, the United States enforced a family separation policy even for some of those who legally requested asylum at the border. I feel powerless not being with them. No poder abrazarlos. Not being able to hug them, kiss them. That was Jose Fuentes, a Central American asylum seeker, describing the anguish he feels after being separated from his son. Not only did Jose properly present himself at a port of entry, but he also showed agents his son's birth certificate and his own ID from El Salvador, confirming that he was the boy's father. Despite this, he was still separated from his son. This policy has since officially ended, but the United States still faces problems in dealing with this humanitarian crisis. The new administration has asked caravans not to come to the U.S. border, but there is no succinct plan proposed as an alternative. Those who have legitimate claims to asylum don't know how to file their claims with the U.S. from their home country. Furthermore, many refugees do not have the luxury of waiting in their home country while their asylum claims are reviewed. Until a new solution is proposed, caravans will likely continue their dangerous treks to the United States border. In fact, there is a caravan moving through Guatemala as of recording this episode. Before we conclude, we want to recommend an organization that you can support that is assisting Central American refugees. This episode, it is the International Rescue Committee. They are working specifically in El Salvador to help high-risk individuals find shelter and safety. In addition, they provide cash assistance to those affected by violence in the country. They will be linked in the description below. Although we do recommend this charity, we want to stress that it is important that you do your own research before spending your own money. That concludes this episode of The Refugee Report. 
If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. Also, follow us on all our social media at Wartime Aid. Tune in next time to hear about the refugee crisis in Syria. As always, thank you for listening.